Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Tom DeAngelis and Don Gleichman. Welcome one and all. Hi, David. David. Awesome, awesome. Everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. But before we do that, uh, Tom, do you mind uh, inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us break open the bread of life to see how Jesus wants to speak to each and every one of us today? I'd love to. In the name of the Father, Father and, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, Spirit of love, we ask you to be with us as we reflect on the words and the, and the stories of your Son. Inspire our hearts so that we can think the things and say the things that you want us to say in love and inspire also the people who will be listening to us that they may receive these things in love as gifts from you, as gifts from your son, Jesus. We ask all this in, in his name. Amen. Amen. In the, the name Father, of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Don, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? Certainly. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously every day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side, and he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I pray you, I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, Oh, no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. 
you know, as we look at this, I, I circled uh, the rich man because so many times when I've heard this gospel read or I've read this gospel, I saw the rich man is all about money. And he had all this money and he bought fine things and he ate fine food. But, you know, the greatest gift the man had was the gift of his time. And there lying at his door was the poor man named Lazarus, who he walked by every time he came and went. So the challenge that was put on my heart is each and every one of us, all of our listeners today, everyone gathered at this table, has the greatest gift that money can't buy, the gift of time. And my question would be to me and to each of you, the challenge, who is the Lazarus we fail to see every day as we journey in this earth? Because too many of us are blind to see the needs of others, are deaf to hear their cry, and have a heart that is hardened, just like the Pharisees had a heart that was hardened. The one thing I noticed um, in this first reading through is that, you know, as you mentioned, David, the the poor man is lying at Lazarus at at the rich man's door, the the poor man Lazarus. And um, it says he would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. He didn't even let him in to eat the scraps, which is not only did he ignore him, as you know, as you pointed out, but it wouldn't have even taken any effort on his part. Just normally eating and then get out of the way and let the poor man come in and have some scraps from the floor. Um, but he didn't even do that. Um, and and I think the other thing too that kind of hit me is. Uh, when he's when he is in the netherworld with Father Abraham and he's talking to him, um, he's still he's still thinking about the poor man Lazarus as if he's some type of a servant for him. Have mm-hmm. him go dip his finger and bring it bring bring me some water, you know. So even in his torment, he still has that mindset. And then it occurred to me as I was reflecting that. That's probably why he is in hell, because he still has that mindset. He doesn't have that openness and that love that is represented by Father Abraham, that trust in God that would put him on the other side of that chasm. And so he's stuck over there thinking that the the whole world should be serving him. And, and he's in eternity where it will never change. So he's kind of died with that selfishness, and now he he has that to live with the rest of his life, wanting everything to be different. And and for all eternity, it never will be. For, uh, wanting it to be the way that it was, and it will never be that way again. So he's he's literally locked in hell. Um, and then one, one last uh, observation is it's interesting that, that Abraham says there's a great chasm here and that just to make sure that you understand, nobody can pass either way. But occurred to me, why would somebody want to cross from Abraham's side back, but you, but you can't cross either way? It's not, even if you wanted to go to hell, you couldn't, you know, so. So at the end of our lives, what it really tells us is hell is real. Yeah. And. Yeah. We choose through our everyday's action, heaven or hell. Right. It's not about our lip service, Lord, Lord. Because the Lord says, I didn't know you. And then he goes on to say, you know, when I was hungry, you didn't give me food. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. Naked, you didn't clothe me. Sick, you didn't care for me. A prisoner, you didn't visit me. You see, it's what we do for the least that we do for Jesus. But when we fail to do, because love is a call to action. But when we fail to respond to that invitation to love, God loves us with a love we don't understand. He always loves us no matter our broken, sinful condition. But we have to repent. 
We have to look to the Lord and say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. We have to, and again, for the Catholics, I'm so grateful for the gift of confession that we can go to a priest and through that priest, God works a miracle. We confess our sins. We speak them out loud to him. And through the grace of our contrition and the mercy of God acting through that priest, we're forgiven and we're cleansed. When we repent, repentance doesn't mean just verbally saying them. It means a change of heart, a turning away from the sin in our life and asking God for the grace to not commit that sin again. So for me, again, I'm just so grateful that the Lord has given us our faith, that the Lord has the mercy that he has for a sinner like me. Because guess what? We don't know we have tomorrow. Today could be the last day of our life. So don't wait because it tells us very clearly there's not a second chance. And once you've made that choice through your actions, Heaven or hell, when you're in hell, you're in hell eternally. Yeah. I noticed, David, that although the rich man never gave any food or real concern to the beggar, he did know his name because he said, send Lazarus to dip the tip of it. He knew his name. Mm -hmm. Imagine knowing the name of a person and seeing their pain and never meeting it. Uh, A second thing I... I was reading a book on the culture of, of Jesus' time and what the world was like. And, you know, they didn't have napkins. So what the rich man used to wipe his hands was bread. And you wipe your hands on pieces of bread, then drop them on the floor. That was the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Something was sopped up, sopped up the, the juices and so forth, and then dropped on the floor. And that was all this man, Lazarus, needed yeah, when when you mentioned David about uh, uh, our Lord um, saying what you know when we um, when we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, when we visit people in prison, when we do those things, you know we're really doing them for Him, and when we don't do them, that we're we're missing Him in those things. It really takes this this parable that He tells to the next level. It's not just about feeding the poor man that's at your doorstep. It's about people in prison. It's about people who have no clothes. It's about people who have no home. It's about people who are struggling with drug addiction or moral issues or whatever. Those are all people that we should be. And and the whole world is filled with those situations. And here I am forgetting, just like Lazarus, walking in and out of my door and not seeing and not remembering the people in prison, even people that I might know, the people who are sick, the people who are hungry, the people who are homeless. And uh, I, I remember once when I in a, in a business environment, I was talking to somebody and he was talking about that passage and he said, that's our performance appraisal. At the end of, the, at the end of our life, that's what Jesus is going to pull out the, 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 you know, our performance plan and say, here's what I asked you to do and here's what you did, you know. And I think I, I, for myself, know I need to do some work to get, try to get the plan, my performance closer to the plan, you know, because there's things that we all could be doing and we just walk by them all the time. There, there are people in prison. I know, Don, you work in a prison ministry, mm-hmm. but I don't even think about people in prison. I don't even, I don't pray for them, you know. I mean, there's some things there that I have to have some work to do, you know. And it's, it's missing those things that Jesus is pointing out here. It's not, they're there. They're there all the time. There are people who are hungry. There are people who are homeless. There are people who are in prison. They're there. And I just walk right past them all the time. And I like, I like also to take that, that 
call to action of to feed, to give drink to, shelter, is also a spiritual call to action because the food we give, that people that are hungry are hungering for God. Mm -hmm. They're hungry for Christ in their life. Do we give them that morsel of love? When they're naked, they're clothed, they're not clothed with Christ. Do we clothe them with Christ? When they're in the prison, cell of addiction, you mentioned that. You know, from drugs, alcohol, anger, unforgiveness, do we visit them with Christ? Do we care for them when the world has wounded them, or do we judge them by their addiction? Because, you see, those that are addicted, they're fighting a fight. The world is attacking them. Do we condemn them? Do we judge them? Or, as Christ, do we love them? And too many times I'll fall into the the trap of judging someone's actions rather than seeing the little boy or the little girl in them, because every human being is a child of God. God created every human being, all seven billion. Only God couldn't create a soul and knit it to a body in the womb of the mother. The enemy's got no clay. He can't make anything. He can only distort what God has created. So for me, I want the eyes of the heart to see each and every person I meet as the son and daughter of God, as the children God created them in the beginning, pure and innocent before the world contorted them. And then, Lord, use me to help them be set free. Lord, use me to help me clothe them with Christ, feed them with Christ, give that living water to them who is Christ. Yesterday in church, the the homily was given by the deacon in our church, and he was commenting on the first reading, which was from Proverbs. And he said, you know, there are 31 Proverbs. If we read one per day, each day, that might be appropriate because there are 31 of them. And then he had a challenge for us, and I took the challenge because it sounded like a great idea. He said, I would challenge you for five months to read the appropriate proverb every single day and see if at the end of five months you don't begin to develop the perspective of God of the people instead of your own perspective, instead of looking at the deformed, the addicted, the the hurting, if you don't start to see the child of God that needs the love of Christ instead of just looking at so, to someone who needs a fix or, or, or needs something that, that is an addiction. Wow. And this scripture also I find fascinating because elsewhere in scriptures it says, call no man father, because you only have one father. But here we see scriptures, Abraham is called Father Abraham. Mm-hmm. Well, why is that? And St. Paul tells us that, I think, in the letter to the Galatians, where he says, I am a father in Christ. He shares in the fatherhood of God the Father. So Abraham has spiritual children. That's where God says he's going to multiply, you know, count the number of stars. He's going to multiply him that great, his, his, his ancestry, because we also, following in those footsteps, our spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers, not only to just our children, but every person that God puts into our life where we're able to give counsel, to give wisdom, to be that vessel God uses, to be a mentor, that spiritual father, that spiritual mother. Don't miss the opportunities because the only way to truly plant those seeds in the hearts that make the impact is to stay in communion common union with the heart of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's a daily, daily choice. It's a daily putting God first, 
taking time, letting him fill you, and then sending you out into the world through the guidance of the Holy Spirit as that pure vessel of unconditional love. I think, too, David, that the point that you're bringing up about being a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to, to others is we also, in addition to our prayer life and our and our going to the Father, you know, as Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father, um, we also need to be aware of uh, people in our life who can feed us, who can be spiritual fathers to us, spiritual directors, um, our priests, you know, um, people who maybe are further along the path, people who have more devotion. And we look to the saints, of course, for, you know, for spiritual guidance. A lot of times we, we remember them frequently on feast days uh, to, to call to mind their, their virtues, the things that, that, they, that we can learn from them. But we have to also be aware of, of the fact that we need to be filled up too before we can before we can give out if we're always running around and I know you I've heard you say that if we're always running around you know filling everybody else's cup up and we need to get our own filled too we need to make sure our own spiritual life isn't and there are people in our lives who are spiritual fathers to us who can be you know great sources of inspiration great sources of of um, examples I think of earlier in the week when we had uh, you know Father Grima here with Claudio and we took him around to the schools I spent two days pretty much solid with with Monsignor and he is like he's like a father he's only not that much older than me but he is so full of love and so full of wisdom and so full of you know, I just I got filled up just being around him. We and we were driving in the car. Every time he got in the car, he picked up a rosary and we started to pray the rosary. We said four rosaries in two days and four divine mercy chaplets and you know and would throw one in on Sunday because we had a short trip there too. So you know he's just filled with the spirit. He's just filled with and it's he's a spiritual father to me. He filled me up those days and I was taking him around, but he was taking care of me. You know. And you know what? What you said is so important for us to hear also. As a spiritual father, our priests, our bishops, our deacons, they need our prayers, not our complaints. They need our prayers, not our complaints. When we complain about this priest or this bishop or this deacon, guess whose camp we're in? Not God's. Yeah, right. Not God's. We need to pray for them. And that was a challenge that the Lord gave me at Mass one time when I was complaining about a priest. And the Lord asked me the question, when's the last time you prayed for him? And the answer was, I never prayed for him. But I was good at complaining about him. So that learning lesson, I'm passing on to each and every one of our listeners. When you complain, you're in the enemy's camp. When you complain, you're in the enemy's camp. It's when you pray that you're effective and a tool that God can use to help that person be strengthened, be set free, be healed. And there's a really great prayer I'm going to pray at this intermission here. Um, It's called a prayer for a peaceful spirit. And I think it's really important for each of us maybe to pray it every day. And it's found in our Stewardship of Mission of Faith prayer booklet, which is available free here at Stewardship of Mission of Faith. And it's this prayer. Please, Lord, slow me down. Ease my pounding heart. Quiet my racing mind. Steady my hurried steps. Amidst the confusion of my days, grant me the calmness of your peace. Help me to know the truly restoring gift of sleep. Teach me the art of taking time off. To slow down to see the beauty in your creation. To chat with a friend. To read a few lines from a good book. 
Remind me each day that there is more to life than increasing its speed. It is living each moment with you and for you. Let me look upwards into the branches of a towering oak and know that it grew great and strong because it grew slowly and well. Please, Lord, slow me down. Teach me to be gentle and humble of heart, fearing nothing of this world, as you are my Lord. Grant me rest for my soul now and eternally with you. Amen. Amen. I find it also interesting in here, um, Abraham replies, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Well, you know what they're saying? You have the scriptures. We have the word of God, the living word of God, both Old Testament, which is summed up by Moses and the prophets, and then completed in Christ in the New Testament, where the Old Testament was hidden is now it's revealed in the New Testament in, through, and with Jesus Christ. So we have no excuse to not know God and continue to grow in our intimacy with him by picking up the word every day because God's ultimate goal is to do what happened with his son, Jesus. As we consume the word of God, we then enflesh that word and we become that word to the world and that word to the world is love, pure, unconditional love, free, total, faithful, and yes, fruitful. The marriage vows we hear, guess what? It is a reflection of God's love. You know, yesterday, David, we were having a small group discussion of men in our church, and one of the men this is this is year two of this one this one program we're doing, and one man at the table said, "You know, I've really been longing here for year two because when year one ended, there was a several month period of time, and I felt sort of like I was I was wilting, I was dying, and I really couldn't wait for this session to start." And I recalled the story of the blind men who were standing around an elephant. And they were all blind, and one was in front, and he touched the trunk, and he said, well, I know exactly what an elephant looks like. He's, he's wrinkly, and he moves a lot, and, and he blows air. Another man in the front said, no, no, he's smooth and shiny, and at the end, he's pointed. He was holding the tusk. Another man was at the back, and he said, no, he's sort of like a, a rope, and at the end, he has this, this, this hair that's sticking out. A man was on the side, and he was short, and he was touching the leg, and he said, no, it's like a tree trunk. And another fellow was touching the side and said, no, it's like a wall that sort of breathes, and it's wrinkled. And they started to realize that between them, they could get a pretty good idea of what the elephant was like by sharing all their different visions and their understandings. And I said to this man, you know, what we need to do is if we find that one program stops or if we stop being close to the Lord, we should seek others with whom we can share the Lord and share their perspectives also because we can't understand everything. We have to ask other blind people to surround the Lord and give us their perspectives so that we can continually refill our bucket with the knowledge of God's security and his mercy and his grace. So keep moving around the elephant of life, right? That's right, exactly. <laughs> and you know, the, the scriptures really, as you were saying that, I was thinking the scriptures really are 
those multiple different right. views. You know, we give, we give different books. We've got different styles of literature. You know, we've got Psalms. We've got Proverbs. We've got the Gospels. We've got the letters. You know, we've got Genesis and, and you know, the uh, early writings that are more uh, symbolic and more, you know, have mythological roots in some cases. But uh, so that's a that's a good place to go to get, you know, multiple perspectives on, you know, and study the scriptures. So um, but the other thing I was thinking, too, is that uh, this this whole idea of of, um, you know, I, I was just thinking when the first disciple or apostle remembered this parable of Jesus right after the resurrection, you know how they you know, I mean, we remember the stories they 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 weren't they were astonished they didn't they weren't sure this was really happening it was really jesus and he had to take food and eat it i'm just i was just thinking imagine when the first person said remember that parable he told about lazarus and and even if somebody should come back from the dead they won't believe you know and uh how how prescient how um how much the lord anticipates and knows you know how how wonderfully he's able to capture this whole sense of the way it is because there are there are many people around the time of the of Jesus's resurrection that that thought it was a lie that thought it was a fake that thought his body was stolen you know the whole thing was a big hoax and uh but even if someone should come back from the dead they won't believe but it's just it's i mean it's obvious there when we read it from our perspective but imagine being in their in their time, when they heard this, there was no resurrection. It was it was yet to happen, and then they discovered this afterwards. It must have been, it must have blown their minds. You know, it's like, how did he know that? And that's what I love what you were sharing about scriptures. You can dive into the Word of God. You know, like you said, Don, one proverb a day for thirty-one days. Yeah. You keep doing that, it'll change your life. Dive into the Word of God. It's living and it pierces through bone and marrow, it pierces your heart. And, you know, the beautiful part of what Lexio Divino, what we're doing today, is we always look at the scriptures literally, then spiritually, morally and ethically, and then in the life of Christ. So for me, I love to just look at it in different, through different lenses, and you keep growing, you keep learning, you keep understanding, because, again, rich man, every time I read this, I thought money. But then the Lord opened it up for me today. No, no, no. Your riches gift you have is your time, and then your talent, and then your treasure. So for me, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to make sure that I'm always open to share that gift of my time, the greatest gift I can give, that gift that money can't buy, because we all have it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for as long as God allows us here on this earth. We all possess, through the gift of God, the greatest gift, which is the gift of our time. So whenever somebody says to me, you know, I can't, I don't have the time, I always correct them. I say, no, 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 you can. It's just how you choose to use your time. Mm -hmm. Do you invest it or do you spend it? And for me, I want to spend every day of my life investing the gift of time in the salvation of souls. May God bless each and every one of you. Let's go out there and be the world changers we're called to be. Bye-bye. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at 
stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.